You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. A blessed Sunday to all. Shall we open our Bibles in the book of Judges, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1 up to verse 24. We will be discussing the entire chapter because that's the natural division of the narrative, but we will only read from verse 1 up to verse 16. Judges 4, 1 to 16 for our reading. The word of the Lord says, Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Haroseth Hagoyim. The sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun. I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river of Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up with him. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had separated himself from the Kenites, from the sons of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zanaim, Zaananim, which is near Kadesh. Then they told Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera called together all his chariots, 900 iron chariots, and all the people who were with him, from Haroset Hagoyim to the river Kison. Deborah said to Barak, Arise, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Haroset Haguim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. 
Last night, we were on our bed and we were ready to sleep. My wife was still inside the bathroom because she was doing something and my two children were lying down already. And I saw them sleepy and thus I told them, it's time to sleep, kiddo, kiddos. So you better close your eyes now. And I inquired, did you pray already? And both of them responded, not yet, daddy. And I said to the little one, why don't you lead in prayer? One of the things that I really like with my son is that he does not hesitate in leading prayer, even in public. That when Dr. Rosalita had an accident last, a few years ago, he went to him and prayed for him. So he does not hesitate in doing so. So he said to me, Daddy, okay, I will lead in prayer. And he paused for a moment before he started a single word. And in silence, he said this line, Lord, please protect me from the dragonfly. And then he continued saying words, but inside my heart, I was laughing. And I realized there was really a dragonfly on the ceiling. And he was scared of it. I knew why he was scared of a dragonfly, because he was unfamiliar of it. If you have a child who grew up in a province where there were several gardens and playgrounds that they could move around, they would not be scared of dragonflies because a child who grew up from those areas would be fond of playing with dragonflies and I think dragonflies are scared of them because I still remember myself doing it. When I caught a dragonfly, I would tie a, a tiny rope on it and then it starts flying and I'll just follow it holding the rope. So as if I had a remote controlled thing with me. So dragonflies are scared of children coming from provinces. But children in cities, they rarely see dragonflies. And so when the dragonfly was making some noise inside our room, he was scared. And he prayed that God is going to protect him from that dragonfly. Oftentimes we become scared if we see something unfamiliar. Oftentimes we become scared if we are in a situation that is unfamiliar or if we are encountering someone that makes us feel inferior. So our fear oftentimes come from these two reasons. Either we are unfamiliar of that object we are facing or the situation where we are in, or there is someone or something that we are dealing with that when we are dealing with that matter, we feel inferior about that thing. So we can become scared about the matter. In the text that we read, I have noticed that the general of the Israel's army was afraid. Why was he afraid? Was he facing some people, an opponent that was unfamiliar? Or he looked at them with some sense of inferiority deep inside his heart? We will discover that as we delve into the text. Now, during this time, we are in the book of Judges. Now, take note that Judges in the Old Testament times, they had very peculiar roles in contrast to the Judges that we have inside a courtroom. One of those peculiar, peculiar rules that the Judges in the Old Testament times 
played or they were responsible with, they were responsible for listening to God and God would reveal Himself to them and they are going to tell the people about what God wants them to do. So during this time, there was no human king. There were no prophets that we could hear. Instead, God was dealing with His people through judges. Well, these judges had a similar role with what we have today as judges because they are present every time there is a litigation. They are the ones who is in charge of bringing two opposing parties together. They are the ones in charge of mediating if there are conflicts between two tribes, between two nations, or between two families. Judges in the, those days would also play the same role. But they are peculiar, as I have said, because they are given the task to listen to God and then tell the people what God wants them to do. That's something that our judges inside the courtroom are not really observing this time. Maybe there are Christian judges who pray to the Lord, but their role in the way they do it is not the way, the way those Old Testament judges did. Added to that, when the nation is in conflict, when the nation is experiencing natural calamity or oppression from other nations, a judge is somehow expected to lead them. Even a military camp, they, are, they, they could lead as well. So this is something that is very unique with those judges in the Old Testament. Now looking in the book of, at the book of Judges, here is something that we would, all, we would all notice. If you get the chance to do your devotions from the book of Judges, take note of this cycle, a cycle that is clearly taking place in the entire book. So you look at the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Judges, Deuteronomy, and then Samuel, and then Judges, you would see in this book of Judges a cycle, a cycle of this thing. They would commit sin before God, and then God would send judgment. And then because of the judgment, they will experience difficulty in life. Then they will repent to the Lord. They will cry out to God and repent. And then after repentance, God will send a judge to deliver them. And then when they experience deliverance, there is peace in the land. And then later, in the midst of that peaceful situation, they will commit sin again. And then because they would sin, God would send judgment. And because they experience judgment, they would cry out to the Lord and they would repent before God. And then after their repentance, God would send a judge to deliver them. And then there is peace in the land. And then they would sin again, and so on and so forth. This is a kind of cycle that you would observe in the book of Judges. Over and over. This time, the judge in the previous years was Ehud. And the Israelites experienced peace, but lo and behold, in the midst of that peace that they were experiencing, they sinned before God. And Ehud was replaced by a lady judge. The first and the last lady judge in the Old Testament. In the person of Deborah. And because Israel sinned before God, God allowed the Canaanites to oppress them 
as a form of judgment. So they were oppressed by the Canaanites and it took them around 20 years to repent. Imagine that. That's why parents, if you have children who are waywards and hard-headed, do not give up on them. Keep praying. Because sometimes hard-headedness would be realized by the person 20 years later. And the Israelites were oppressed for over 20 years. And this time, they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord starting device, started devising a plan for them to be set free, to be delivered. Now, what happened next was that God communicated with Deborah as a judge. God told her, I would like you to summon Barak. Now, take note that Barak was the general of the Israel's army. Okay? And they were being oppressed by the Canaanites. The king that time of the Canaanites was Jabin. Jabin was the king, and Jabin had a general whose name was Sisera. So the Canaanites were led by King Jabin and General Sisera. The Israelites, they did not have a human king back then. They were living under a theocratic governance. When I say theocratic governance, the rule was directly handed by God himself. No human king. It was God who was ruling as a king. No wonder if you look at the book of Ruth, that happened at the same time during the book of Judges. The, the husband of Naomi was named Elimelech. Elimelech. El means God. Melech is king. Meaning to say, God is my king. So every time a person during the time of Judges would see Elimelech, every time his name is mentioned, people are reminded that we don't have a human king, but our God is king, our king. God was reigning as king over Israel, and he had a general whose name was Barak. So take note, take note of this. At one camp, there was King Jabin with the general Sisera. At the side of the Israelites, there was God reigning as king with the general Barak. That was those were the two opposing parties. Now this time, God said to Deborah, you call the general, you call Barak. And I want you to tell him that God is commanding him to really march against King Jabin and Sisera because I am going to give victory. I will hand them over to him. That was a statement of God. However, Barak looked at his enemies. And when he tried to evaluate the strength of the armies of Canaan, he had a problem. Not that he was unfamiliar of them. He was scared of them. He was scared. Why? Because when he evaluated the strength of his enemies, based on his mathematics, he found out that their strength is so much in contrast to their strength. Added to that, if you look at the text, the chariots of the Canaanites were described. There were 900 chariots that were owned by the Canaanites, and the Israelites did not have enough. How will you fight that battle? It's as if you are saying 
the Philippines shall fight face to face, head on against China, who had many plenty submarines, and Filipinos who have marines, no submarines. How can you do that? And when Sisera was looking at this, he was really feeling confident because Israel did not have much. On the other side of it, the general of the Israelites, Barak, he looked at his enemies and he said, I'm scared. I cannot go against them, march against them. What did God tell you? Deborah told him, God told us that you are to march against Jabin and Sisera. And Barak said, "Sure, are you sure about that matter? Because look at what they have. History would tell us that Israel this time were so much inferior in terms of their armaments. Why? Because in the early time of history, Israel did not discover yet anything as natural resources that they can forge enemies, I mean weapons. You need metals. You need natural resources that can help you forge metals that can be transformed into weapons. They did not have that. So if they had metal weapons, it was very limited. Many of their weapons were probably made up of stones. The weapon of David, when he fought Goliath, it was a sling. A sling made of a, an animal skin, they had a lot of it. A stone, they had a lot of it but not much of a natural resources to forge and form a metal and forge a weapon. So if you think about this, you are like in the time of Flintstone facing against maybe an Avenger called Iron Man. It's a scary thing. So you wouldn't dare to go and march against them. That's why Barak was scared. And he said to Deborah, are you really sure about this matter? Because if you look at what we have, how can our stones be used against them? They had iron chariots. And if you think of an iron chariot by the Canaanites, in each chariot there were several soldiers. And there were 900 chariots. So even if you, don't have, if you have not started the battle yet, you know you will be defeated. But there is still a, a glimpse of faith in the heart of Barak that he said to Deborah, well, if that's what really God told you, I'm willing to go, but you go with me. It's like you telling a child, can you please get a fruit from a kitchen? And then a child looks at the kitchen, and the kitchen is so dark, and the child looks at you and says, Ubaniko. And that's exactly what Barak told Deborah here. Well, okay, I'll go, but go with me. And so Deborah said, Yeah, I'll go with you, but the honor, the glory will never be handed to you because God will use a weaker vessel. God use, will use a woman to totally defeat your enemy. So maybe Barak was thinking that it's Deborah who's going to kill 
the general of the armies of the Canaanites. And so they went on. And what happened next was that they marched toward Mount Tabor. But while they were on their way there, someone, we don't know exactly who did it, but probably either a spy of Sisera or a traitor from the camp of Israel, went to Sisera and told him that Barak is leading the armies of God toward Mount Tabor. And Sisera thought, mm-hmm, this is the best time. Maybe we can run after them and totally destroy them. So he led all his chariots. And the Bible makes it clear, not only chariots, iron chariots, to give a sense of understanding to the readers that they are so much advanced as far as their armaments and weapons are concerned against Israel. So they marched toward it. But surprisingly, if you look at the text, you can see clearly there how God maneuvered things, how God orchestrated things by Himself so that the armies of the Canaanites would experience defeat against the armies of Israel. No wonder, as I walk through all these verses in the fourth chapter of the book of Judges, the most repeated idea that I have sensed is that expressions that showed God's direct act or intervention. Expressions such as, look at verse 2, if you have your Bibles. Look at verse 2. The statement that says, the Lord sold them. It's a direct act of God in the situation of the Israelites. And then added to that statement is verse, verse 6. Look at verse 6. The Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded. So it's a direct act of God. Added to that in verse 7, I will draw out you to Sisera to you. It was God speaking directly, quoted by Deborah. I will draw out Sisera to you. So God is directly moving. Verse 7b, I will give him into your hand an expression that I will defeat them on your behalf. Added to that, you look at verse 14. The Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Look at that. Added to it in verse 14b, the Lord has gone out before you. Verse 15, the Lord rooted Sisera and all his chariots. And then last in verse 23, the Lord or God subdued on that day, Jabin. So looking at all these expressions, while the Israelites were facing a threat that was superior in contrast to them, Superior in contrast to them in terms of number, in terms of the armaments, they really cannot defeat these enemies. But in the midst of that threat, God was directly moving in their midst. By directly acting things and orchestrating things around so that He can orchestrate victory over them for them. And then the battle happened at Mount Tabor. Sisera and his army against Barak and the armies of God. They fought against each other and by God's orchestration, Sisera and his army were defeated. All those iron chariots that were described by the author in the text did not avail anything against the power of God. And what happened was that Sisera ran. He ran away. 
Well, Barak probably would like to chase him because maybe he wanted to get the glory. But he was able to run away and he reached that place of Heber, the place of the Kenites. In those days, the Kenites had an agreement with the Canaanites. So he was confident that when he goes to the village of the Kenites, he will not be hurt. Instead, he will be protected. So Sisera went there and he was met by Heber's wife. The wife of Heber was named Yael or Jael. Take note of that name because this woman met Sisera outside of the tent and she told Sisera, where are you going? Maybe you can hide inside my tent. And Sisera, the general of Canaan, said, maybe you can help me. Maybe you can stand there in front of your tent's entrance and I'll hide inside. And whenever the armies of God would come or the armies of Israel would approach you and ask, did you see Sisera? Maybe the best answer you could give is tell them I run to another direction. And so, Yael or Jael took care of him, gave him a drink, and he hid inside the tent. He covered himself with a, some sort of a carpet. He covered himself there on the floor. And then, Yael went inside the tent. Before the armies of God and Barak arrived, Yael got a pitch of the tent a peg of the tent, grabbed a hammer on her hand, and pitched the peg at the very temple of Sisera. So when Barak arrived, looking for Sisera, Yael met them and said, the one you're looking for is inside my tent. And they went inside, and they saw Sisera dead already through the hand of a woman. We can clearly see in the story God's orchestration. Clearly. The repetitions that I have mentioned to you, the impossibility of the threat that they were facing, all of these things can never be resolved without God's direct intervention and those expressions written by the author here. But there is something more surprising that I have seen is the fact that God used weaker vessels to bring out deliverance in the, hand, in the lives of His people. It's so fascinating to imagine that in a culture that women were perceived to be weaker than men, as I often say during wedding ceremonies, ladies are often not outsmarted, but in terms of strength physically, Often ladies are weaker than men. Men are often faster than women. I'm not saying always, often. Because maybe if men becomes, become so fat, then the thin ladies can run faster than them. But often and naturally, often and naturally, women are perceived to be weaker vessels. But fascinatingly, the God who orchestrated things for them to experience victory used the weaker vessels to bring out deliverance in the lives of His people. And what is more fascinating if we think about this truth 
is this fact that when God uses a weaker vessel, the response of the people who experienced His victory and deliverance would give God greater laurels. Are you familiar with the term laurel? Well, many of us put it in the ulam. But laurels are not only used in that sense. If you look at a dictionary, laurels could mean giving honor or attribution to a person who experienced victory or who accomplished much in the past. No wonder if you look at an image of Julius Caesar, he wears a wreath on his head, a wreath that is made up of laurel's leaves. What does it mean by that? It means he is a man who is a victor. It means an authority and power because he has defeated many enemies in the past. That is why this is what exactly I am telling about. God, in His power to orchestrate things, He uses weaker vessels. He uses weaker vessels because in His act of using weaker vessels, the people who experience the victory and the power of the Lord give Him greater laurels. Give him greater glory. Give him greater honor. How many times have I encountered individuals who experienced success in life and when they evaluated themselves, they found out that they are so capable of doing it that they have the strength enough to overcome and defeat their enemies that at the end of the day, they would say, it's all because of my strength. It's all because of me. It's all because of my ability. And they totally forget about the God who orchestrates things. But when we experience victory and we acknowledge that we are weaker vessels, when we acknowledge that there is not enough strength that we have to go through the, the adversary to finish the task, it is only the time that when we experience the victory and we look up to God and tell Him, Lord, it is not because of what I have. It is all your doings. Two weeks ago, there was a young lady who approached me after the midweek service. And she approached me and I saw the worry in front uh, at her eyes. And she opened her mouth before me and said, Pastor, I badly need your prayer. And I said, why? Is there a problem that you have? She said, I am so much worried to the extent of becoming anxious about it already. What is it? She said, I am a graduating student. And the course I am enrolled in is very difficult. And I look at what I can do. It's seemingly not enough to pass. And I asked her, are you doing your best? She said, yes. I am giving my best. In fact, I have had sleepless nights. I knew I am giving my best. And I look at her, just give your best. God will do the rest. There is an acknowledgement of inability. There is an acknowledgement of being weak in front of the situation she was facing. And what happened next was that we just prayed and prayed and prayed and I was hoping that she experienced peace in her heart after our prayer. And then they left. And then just last week, she approached me again. And I saw a smile on her face. And this is what she said. God 
let me pass. God let me pass. I made it, Pastor, by God's grace. And the first statement, God let me pass, reminded me of the weakness, the acknowledgement of the inability that she had in the previous week. Now she's saying, glory to God, greater laurels for the God who used weaker vessel for me to experience victory. Why did she say that? Because there is an acknowledgement of her weakness. It is a reality that sometimes when we face our enemies, when we face a situation, we feel weak, we feel not enough. And yet that's a good thing as well. Why? Because at the end of the day, when we go through it and we experience the victory, we can say to the Lord, Lord, I give you glory because this is all your doings. This is all your doings. You know, sometimes there is strength in our weakness. Because in our weakness, there is dependence on God. And I think sometimes or often, real courage can be experienced when there is acknowledgement of our weakness. Because dependence on the Lord is developed. Truly, God is so amazing that He uses weaker vessels to bring about His plans that those subjects of the plans will give Him greater laurels. Today, it's a special day because we are celebrating weaker vessels in the person of our mothers. As I have told you, women are often perceived as weaker vessels in terms of physical strength and speed. But I tell you, that person who is considered a weaker vessel has been tremendously used by God to bring about His plan for humankind. Without them, there is no single person here who must have been born Without them, there is no you, there is no me. So let's celebrate a weaker vessel this morning. You just heard the message from Zumbuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekai Ministries. See you there!